Welcome to the show, everyone. We have a very special guest for you today. He is a world champion, master in multiple styles, including Sambo, Judo, and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Welcome to the show, the amazing Vlad Kulikov. Hello, sir. Hello. You gave me such an introduction. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Hello, and thank you for opportunity to uh, share my opinions and all that stuff. Love it. I'll always love your opinions. Anybody that doesn't know how it kind of happened upon you is I was been doing jiu-jitsu since 2004. I was looking for takedowns and leg locks, and I kind of found out you in a roundabout way through Budo videos. And I'll tell you what, I bought every single video. It was ultimately amazing. And I just decided to reach out, and you so happened to come out and give us a great seminar. And that's how my story starts with you. You helped me a tremendous amount as you've helped many people. So I guess my first thing for you is just kind of let people know how you started with Sambo and you know what made you want to do that? What was that like for you starting out? So I think I was pretty much like pretty close to start some kind of training on martial arts or whatever. And I was mesmerized by, by my dad's strength and ability to fight and all that stuff and had a natural predisposition. Every time we fought as kids, we always like wrestle, headlocks, etc., hammerlocks. So there was a natural transition. My, uh, my cousin, uh, from out of town brought me to Sambo 70, which is uh, the biggest academy and arguably one of the most prestigious in the world. And I put my foot on the mat sometime in September 1984 and never looked back. Yeah, it's one of those things where uh, you have your cool call Grappling Academy, KGA. Everybody should definitely go check that out. Amazing facility. You got spring floors and everything. Yeah. <laughs> but you do like a trial or free trial class. It's one of those things where it's like, there's no gray area in the middle. You either, I'm not into this or where's this been my whole life? How have you seen that kind of transfer to a lot of students that walk in? I do love myself a student who's a complete beginner, believe it or not. Sometimes uh, people come, you know, as blue belts or higher and they have, and I'm, again, I'm not saying it's good or bad. To me, it is kind of bad. They have like preconceived notions of uh, how grappling is supposed to be. And sometimes you just got to throw it out the window, man. You know, yeah. they have preconceived notions. Therefore, they never like really like learn from me or whatever. Or, although they see merit in my style, but they cannot open up. It's kind of like Goko Chivichian, you know, what he does with outrageous. <laughs> but it's truly not for everybody. You know what I'm saying? You have to have some kind of great fundamentals just to understand his style, you know. So that's how it is, man. You know, I prefer to have a complete beginner student so I can kind of keep up. And trust me, I do not make mini clones. You know, I don't like uh, making clones of myself, but I'd rather them to share my vision of grappling, not necessarily my technical ability and all this stuff, just my vision. And my vision is pretty simple. Like grappling has two aspects, you know, stand up and ground, where in many uh, uh, grappling arts nowadays, it's very defined. You know, it's more like a stand up or more like a ground one, you know. So yeah. me, Sambo Fusion, Fusion Jitsu and Sambo together, plus all the arts in between, like Sumo, Shuai, Jiao, Freestyle, and whatever works in whatever context you adopt, whatever does not work, you don't adopt. And you know what's funny? It's not an alien concept. That, that, that concept has been forever. But honestly, I don't see that, that, that many people that like mix stuff like that. You know, there's Jay Floor, yeah. Justin Flores, who's outrageous, and his spiel is wrestling and uh, judo, plus jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Uh, uh, David Camarillo, Judo and uh, Jiu-Jitsu, myself, Sambo and Jiu-Jitsu. And like all uh, of those guys, we have a bit of a, like a signature, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because we kind of decide what to bring from one art to another. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Another thing I loved about your concepts and your outlook on things is you have quoted in the past that like, you're forever a student. And I think it's such a healthy way of going back. Can you explain why it's such a healthy way of approaching things, especially anybody in a style that have mastered a style? There's always more. 
Because I don't want to be like that Aikido guy, you know, like or Sistema or Krav Maga or whatever, and not even like put down the styles. But some styles are completely unreasonable. Like, let's say like Aikido, right? Aikido. There is no sparring. It's a uh, purely self-defense art. So therefore, it's unquantifiable, man. You cannot quantify how good you are, you know, because you don't spar. You don't ever spar. You just learn uh, premeditated responses to premeditated attacks on premeditated reactions. You know, this is the once you know jujitsu or sambo or judo, then the reflexes become real. So sometimes an Aikido guy will deny effectiveness of any other martial art because they cannot accept the fact they've been doing bullshit and something fairly useless up to that point, you know? So I don't want to be that guy. I don't yeah. want to be that guy. And Jiu-Jitsu always evolves, man. Sometimes like what worked, uh, you know, like a year ago is completely debunked and taken out of equation the next year. So it's never ending. And, you know, I came to believe in one weird thing. Although we generally have one head, two legs, two arms, and only like uh, not infinite amount of ways to break them, but the way to get there is infinite, you know? So, and you always learn, you always learn. And once you stop learning, that's when you go to die, man, in a yeah. muscle. Yeah, yeah. And uh, listen, and be because the nature is so dynamic of Jiu-Jitsu and, uh, and so dynamic and forever changing, I owe it, not, never mind myself, I owe it to my students to stay with the game. And not necessarily I'm a specialist in every spiral evolution of, you know, like I might not know lapel guard or berimbola, but gosh darn, I will put enough study to explain the fundamentals or hire a guy, a guest with a seminar who knows it, you know? So for every student, uh, like a shark man, right? Once yeah. You, you, you drown, you got to be constantly moving. And moreover, you know, like things evolve. Uh, something else about like for every student like for example a few years ago i was more of a, a militant approach when my, when i spar not mm -hmm. even stylistically different just like philosophical approach was more like militant i moved to texas and things are so relaxed here man and and, yeah. and still or whatever and it like reflects in my everyday psyche and in my training you know so like what i started to do i started to play super relaxed and chill and like it's a game you know granted my body of students are not like world champions. Maybe maybe I was competing with beasts and like animals every day. Yeah. My attitude will be different. And again, not saying it's good or bad, right? But it just happens so that I find enjoyment. I evolved. I evolved, you know? So I owe it not only to my students, but to myself as well. I evolved. And now I find more merit in playing in this very relaxing game-like modality. Does it make any sense? Like a little rest, oh, yeah. race, little tech. Uh -huh, I got you, little suck. Uh -huh. Super <laughs> relaxed, you know? Yeah. Not stiff. And you know what is funny? Because like my cardio became directly dependent on that modality because I don't flex anymore. I don't okay. even combative like, you know, I got to kick ass, like adrenaline dump. Yeah. I'm super relaxed, you know, super relaxed. And I roll longer, man. I can get another three, four rolls if I roll like that. I don't get tired. No. Just get, of course, I'm hydrated and all that stuff. And I just get in that modality, playful modality, and, and I roll longer. I have more fun. And I think at this stage of my life, I uh, I uh, progress and benefit more so from that modality. So something to be spoken about evolution, ever changing and being every student. So I was student enough to accept that because like maybe 10 years ago, I would not have accepted that like the <laughs> yeah. playfulness, you know? And that playfulness, man, it, it leads to like a flow state a little bit better, bro. That's why I like the judo modality a little bit more than wrestling modality to, to, to start with. I mean, they all have plays. They're all good or bad in a certain context and aspects. But like in judo, What's always imposed is ukemi, which is huge, breakfall. Yeah. They impose flowing. They impose give and take attitude, mutual welfare and benefit. You know what I'm saying? Respect. When wrestling is a fucking like dog fight, don't respect <laughs> no one. 
<laughs> and listen, listen, it could be good in the future. Like I'm not saying they all excellent or all bad, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. For the kid and for the beginner, I'd rather get myself an athlete that can give and take, who understands that more judo modality, give and take, mutual welfare and benefit, respect. And you can put dog fighter in that modality a little bit later, a little bit later. Yeah. But that's what I like. And again, no, yeah. it's again, my attitude shift, you know, leads me to believe that this is better right now. You know, and I love that. And the last time you were on the podcast, you did talk about not everybody has that spark, you know, that spark. But there's also kind of learning from you and going through this journey of grappling myself is everybody does have a potential, may not have the spark or potential, someone else, but you do an amazing job. That's why I always kind of flock towards your teachings of helping people realize their potential. You kind of go into the spark versus potential and everybody yeah. can always improve. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. I, I, yeah. Every practice must be empowered. Even if you get your ass beat, you know, for the whole class, uh, it could be still done like in a smash factor that people want to quit or in a, in a productive way. Possibly. I, I don't know. It's weird. Like I, I can smash a student, you know, like a white belt or whatever, not a big merit, but like I make it in such a fun way and I will always like, uh, give them like a takeaway from the lesson and everybody comes empowered even after being smoked. But if you just dumbly beat somebody's ass to the ground every day, yeah. saying like, you know, you're just a nail right now, you become a hammer. It's not fun, man. You know, That's like fun. I get it. You know, like uh, again, there is a there is a merit to that modality to weed out like wusses or whatever people that don't want to be there. But it's also unproductive, man. And uh, I, uh, I'm just, you know, on all the man who wants to go to heaven now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very gentle. Sure. <laughs> you go into the story. I love this story. Because uh, I've seen the footage of it, and you were at this competition, and you had within yourself, you're like, after a first round or something, why am I doing all this training? How do you rev yourself up and spy yourself? Yeah, listen, all your revving and all your stuff comes from training room, bro, from training room. And the way you train is the way you're going to fight. It's, it's so simple. We always say that. We also say that, you know, fighting is insert your favorite percentage 50% physical. 50 mental. Some say 70% mental. You know, whatever the percentage you insert, the way you, there's always a mental component, right? There's yeah. always a percentage, pretty large one for mental preparation. But what do we do, man? We lift weights, we drill, we do uh, conditioning, but we don't train our minds, man. You know, all your technical preparation should be coming with a confidence booster. You know, like, why do I do that? To become, you know, so be like a triangle. Grappling, you know, grappler is a representation of three sides of the triangle. The bottom one being uh, will and determination, and uh, the other hips are being uh, technical ability and physical ability. You know what I'm saying? So the bottom is always hard. It's always will and determination, and then to hopefully equal hips of this triangle. But note, no matter which part of the triangle grows, right, which bottom or side, the whole thing will grow to catch up. So your confidence will bring attitude and, and whatever, right? Your physicality will bring, let's say, wind, therefore confidence yet again. Your technique will allow you to pace yourself better, therefore will bring more confidence. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So often, you know, increasing one side of the, you know, one hip of the triangle will increase the whole one. But I still truly believe that will, determination, or heart, or whatever you want to call it, is always the base. Always the base. Yeah, going to that story, you were in that competition. Yeah. Yeah. In a competition. So yeah, yeah. I started to train like, uh, and I don't train like that anymore because again, there is no need for me right now. You know, I'm almost 50, but back then I was in my late twenties and I trained like a madman and I started to trade uh, private lessons for, from a guy, not a crossfitter, but it's something similar modality. Like you do everything at once, you know, and I trade private lessons for uh, him training me. 
and I started to, you know, feel the difference in my physicality, you know, like the one hip of the uh, triangle grew and it brought my confidence, you know, like I'm like, I, I'm going to smash everybody. As I was competing, the guy was a little bit shorter than me. He was a fire plug. So we wore the same weight, but he was good, have a head shorter, which means he was thicker everywhere else. And he was judoka fourth or third degree, whatever, back in 2004. And he came out all guns blazing, man. And he put me a little bit like in hot water, just a bit. I, I never lost my shit, you know. I, but I'm like, why the hell is he smashing me? So after one particular grueling exchange, he was on top, like in my half guard, top half guard, and he was like digging forearm. It was bullshit. It, it, was, not, it was not anything. It was just, you know. And after mat time in that exchange expired, we got stood up. And I'm like, you know what? Time to go. Like just something yeah. switched. As soon as I spoke myself in a positive way, like, why am I doing that? Like, I'm lifting all these weights. Like, why am I acting like a puss? <laughs> and that little mnemonic, like, little dig just got, like, beast out of me. And I just went, got my grips, and, you know, threw him, and I'm like the guy. You know, that was it. Yeah. You need to, yeah, get fired up something. Yeah. You're fighting. Yeah. You know, you're, yeah. you get so used to flowing, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or especially, you know, going through a lot of lower belts, and you just kind of, yeah. okay, let's work, let's play. And it, I found that, too, like, teaching, like, I'm trying to you know, help my students out. So I'm kind of like, let them help set them up with a pass or let them get in position. You realize, hey, I'm uh, dulling my own game right now. So you yeah. have to stay sharp. And I still switch modalities, man. If I go to compete or if I visit other gyms with like animals, with like purples, browns and blacks or whatever, I, I don't think I'll be able to play that modality. It, it's still a very floating type of deal. You know, I'm, I'm only acting like that when I'm super relaxed in my own gym, playing with my students. I know everybody, I know what can, you know, what people can offer, you know? Like yeah. if I keep, maybe that playfulness is gonna disappear, you know? Yeah, and I think it's another point we've talked about before too, as far as people who are either students or instructors or whatnot, it gets to a point, like if you're not a practicing martial artist, like you have the techniques, you have whatever in your mind, you're a coach, cool. But if you're not a practicing martial artist, that really negatively affects your ability to teach. I agree. Like practice what you preach, and to me it's easy, you know. I was warned long time ago. Like a friend told me, like if I open up a gym, it uh, will become a chore, and something that you like so much will become a job. Blah. No, fuck that guy. He he was stupid. Yeah, yeah. He did a lot of bad things. But anyway, and even that little sentiment, as much as it made sense or whatever, is completely incorrect. Like I love what I'm doing. I've been doing it forever. So like, it's great, man. <laughs> I enjoy my chosen lifestyle. And when you first came to the U.S., I mean, there was no Sambo. There's nothing. Well, no, no, no. There was Sambo. There was. A, I might have mentioned it on a couple of podcasts. Like during uh, Cold War, right mm -hmm. before the breakup of the Soviet Union, America had better grassroots for Sambo than it has now. You know, through Athletic Union. Interesting. Yeah, 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 man. When oh. Sambo, especially, was governed by FILA. Now, the world of wrestling it used to be called FILA. Remember, Sambo was third international wrestling style alongside with Greco and uh, freestyle wrestling. Only in mid-80s, FIAS, just the Sambo Association, took over, and there is no longer a link with the wrestling world. But it used to be. It used to be a link with the wrestling world. Even the scores were changed. Like, they gave additional score for Go Behind, which is not existing in Sambo now. They allowed to wear shoes and singlets underneath the jackets. So that's when Americans did the best in Sambo. That's when it was the most developed. But wow. after infrastructure in Soviet Union collapsed, the whole kind of thing, you know, uh, interesting so yeah yeah with mma there is a new resurgence of interest yeah. uh, for sambo but it was way better back in the like the late 70s early 80s oh that's so wild though um right and you see yeah it's starting to grow slowly but competitions are far and few between it's still yeah. all it's more that's bjj another, 
But yes, yes, even like with Mary, look, there's tremendous merit in Sambo. And again, not saying it's the end all, but it has a lot of uh, good tools that can offer to jujiteros or fighters or whatever. But jujitsu just occupying the grappling niche, man, you know? Oh, yeah, it's integrated to everything. We practice Sambo Jiu-Jitsu fusion at my yeah. academy, but not just Sambo, just like grappling in general. Who have been some of your biggest inspirations? I'm sure you had some along the way. Who have been like your Mount Rushmore of martial art inspirations? So Eddie Bravo. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I was lucky to meet this man a few times, and he loves jujitsu. He does not promote sambo or wrestling. He promotes jujitsu. He's all about jujitsu. So him. And he's got very awesome, you know, unique style. Uh, Marcelo Garcia. Yeah. Mar Marcelo Garcia. So, yeah. Jacare is awesome. You know, uh, uh, not former Lions. Jacare, uh, Ronaldo Souza, and Igor Corinoy. Igor Corinoy is an outrageous sambo. So uh, I would say those were people. And you, you I remember, uh, oh, man, it's so bad. I'm going to blank on, like, one of the greatest wrestlers ever was a... Russian wrestler, uh, the, uh, the, the Alexander Karelin. Yeah, with the K. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, yes, yes. The monster. He, oh, it's <laughs> absolutely. He's an absolute monster, but he's not going to Mount Rushmore. I know. Yeah, but I, I built like a shit brick house, man. Oh my god. <laughs> For sure. Uh, you know, when he was born, he was uh, 15 pounds. What? That man, Alexander Karelin, when he was born, he weighed uh, 15 pounds. Holy so, crap! Yeah. Feel bad for the mom. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm going to take you back to the day here. I first came upon you through Brutal Videos. And I, yes, uh, when we met, you're like, you have those? I'm like, yes, I do. I have the original DVDs. Uh, what for this? I believe this was like when your first like real stints of approach going for, let's get Samo out here. I got some good shit to show. What inspired you to put that out and start putting your name stamp on it? Well, uh, nothing, man. <laughs> the guy <laughs> had the videos. He was the guy from like OG Black Belt magazine, uh, Panther Productions. Oh, Panther Productions yeah. With Mark Kerr, Marco Hua, Zolek Taktarov. So that was him. George Jennings was the name of the guy who ran Panther Productions and he made like VHSs back in the day. And then he got divorced and had to change the company's name, right? He changed it to Shogun Media. So it was the same guy who called me and uh, said, would you like to make videos? And I thought he was joking and pulling my leg, but no, it was the guy. And he offered me to go to Kali, which I should have, but I instead invited him to my gym in Warwick, New York, where I used to reside. And he came, that was in 2004. I asked him what he wants to film. He gave me like 10 topics or whatever. And I made lesson plans for every topic, filmed it, and that was it. So uh, I was married before and my wife didn't want me to have Facebook, so I didn't. But once we got divorced and I got Facebook, I swear, like the first few thousand people uh, and, and friends, I did not know who they were, came from those DVDs. It had an impact, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, you know, then Budo videos, I, I saw rolled up episode, you know, I saw rolled up. Oh, yeah. And I uh, uh, reached out to Jake. I'm like, what will it take to make rolled up episode with me? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, a whole lot, but we can make a video. And same thing, like, he asked me what I would like to make. I gave him, you know, my first set ideas for stand-up, miscellaneous and leg locks with a full uh, description. Yeah. And uh, Jake liked it. I went there, filmed it, became friends with him. And something similar happened in the future with uh, Grappler's Guide. Yes. Yeah, Grappler's Guide's got some amazing things. I think, yeah, especially right around then, I remember uh, the Georgian Grip series. A Georgian Grip series was, yeah, yeah, it was on both in Grappler's Guide and, and uh, Buddha videos. Completely two different footage, you know, different footage, different yeah. programs. But yeah, same topic, yeah. Same topic. And by the way, while we're on the subject, uh, you know, the biggest one in the world right now is BJJ Fanatics. And between you and Ivan Vasilchuk, you guys cover pretty much 99% of all Sambo on there. It's it's amazing. 
Mm-hmm. And for people who don't know, Ivan Vestchuk, he's a stud in Sambo himself. And Vlad does all the translations. And Yeah, he'll be coming here, man. He'll be coming here in August. Maybe maybe your time you trip to. Yeah, I like it. You said now, Tag, you're it. Your turn to come over. Huh? <laughs> and going to real quick, yeah, within the past couple of years, you moved to Edinburgh, Texas, you know, really far south. Great Tex-Mex food, of course. But talk about just your facility and how things are going with the program. So it was like this. New York is a beautiful state. Beautiful. I still miss my people, my gals and, and guys. But unfortunately, it's in New York. It's extremely expensive, like unreasonably expensive. And my wife and I, we've been thinking about moving for some time now. For some time now. And I just waited for my girls. My, I have two daughters from previous marriage. So I waited for them to get done with school and get in college or get done with college. And it just happened. So that age of theirs corresponded with my best friend's offer. And my best friend is an anesthesiologist, you know, so he's got some starting capital and he offered for me to relocate and he'd be my financial backup. I'm like, all right, things work. So he wanted state-of-the-art facility. And of course, man, whenever, like, I did not move across the country in a most literal sense to do some shitty gym, you know, to open up some bullshit gym. So everything has to be done with grandeur, right? So that's what we did, man. Our mats have suspension floor. In other words, whenever you get thrown, you you bounce. High density styrofoam because you can do it with the tires or actual springs or whatever. But after research and development, they figured for many reasons, foam blocks would be the best. Bought a bunch of plywood, bought uh, zebra mats, and I also have crash pads over and above everything. My facility in Texas is double the size in New Jersey, like literally twice the size, everything. It looks huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the whole gym is twice the size and the mat floor is more than double of the one in Jersey. And it was not bad, as you remember, right? Yeah. And super yeah. clean, man. Like, uh, we have a little gym area where we lift with the chin-up bars, minimal weights, just what you need. Rubber bands, couple bells, couple bars. Yeah. It do this outrageous gym, outrageous. Like, everybody compliments on cleanliness because I'm also, like, clinically OCD. <laughs> yeah, well, you need it, yeah. <laughs> so uh, everybody benefits from me, like picking up hair and vacuuming every piece of dust and cleaning the mess maniacally. So it's all ceilings, open up, beautiful looking facility. AC, of course, because in Texas there is Ooh, yeah. AC. Showers, everything is clean. You can lick the floor. Never mind the program, which is outrageous too, you know. Yeah. We have about 100 students after being opened for just one year. And sky's the limit. Things getting better every day. Demonstrate wow. our, you know, superiority in competition here. I just had my first batch of blue belts, you know what I'm saying? But my white belts winning tournaments. And guess what? White belts, good white belts, make good blue belts. <laughs> so yeah. my blue belts will win blue men's tournament. And then it will become purple belts. And you know where it's going. So like in and the, the kids too, right? They're, they've been tearing the it up. Too. And in 10 years, I will have a great team, you know, with purples, browns, and blacks that everybody will be watching out for. Yeah. <laughs> you better. And now for also the side of things of training, obviously there's, let's go hit it. Let's train. There's also the fitness aspect and all that, but also there's recovery. And you were really good when I visited you the one time, man, it was amazing. We did ice baths, sauna. Pravilo. Pravilo. <laughs> we ran, we did some hand fighting over and above just regular drilling and rolling or whatever. Yeah. Yes. Yes, guys. Absolutely. Absolutely. If you want this to be your occupation, you need to pay attention to recovery and restoration. Because if you do this sport for any length of time, with any seriousness or competitiveness, you will get hurt, man. Yeah. You'll break something. You'll tear something. It's just like, get ready, guys. It will happen. So like, you know, in my mid-40s, I started to pay attention more so for recovery. I make sure I sleep. I don't care if I want to take a nap because now I don't have to work, right? My, yeah. my job is my gym. 
So in between, I can take a nap, man. I do cold exposure, hot exposure, sauna, massages, chiropractic adjustment, CBD, all sorts of shit that you need for your body to prosper and perform the rigors of martial arts in like, you know, more advanced age. I do all that stuff. And it really impressed me too, because that's when the first time I did ice bath. And first off, everybody sold with ice bath that people right away go Wim Hof or whatever. And he's in there forever. And you're like, no, man, like start off like two minutes, three minutes, yep. uh, start pushing up a little bit. But anything more than what were you saying? More than 10 minutes? I would is... say 10 minutes is like, uh, I mean, you always benefit mentally. Like if you can stay yes, in yeah. for no longer than 10 minutes. But dudes, like 10 minutes is good enough. Uh, you'll get your health benefits, your mental benefits. Same thing with weightlifting. Like remember, circle back a little bit. I would burn like, you know, a thousand calories in like 45 minutes, you know, like 10 years ago. There's no, there's no fucking need for that. Yeah. I need to squat 500 pounds. Like why? It's good. It's good and awesome and manly and stuff. But at no point I'm ever going to be wrestling somebody who's got them 500 pounds. Yeah. 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 So like if I want to do a style points, farming scary from deep squat, all I got to lift somebody my weight or maybe a little bit heavier. So all I need 250, right? 250. So I can lift like somebody my weight or maybe right. 15 pounds, like a little buffer. That's all. Anything after that is complete misappropriation of your training time. You should be paying attention more so for cardio or technical ability. If you fucking working on squatting 500 pounds, it's, uh, to, to me now, I'm not saying that that modality is without merit or does not pay dividends. Of course it does. But to me right now, it's a waste of time. I do not need to squat 500 pounds. I yeah. bomb a little bit more and work on speed and on new setup for duck, duck under something slick. I really start to appreciate slick shit. Of yeah. course, I like to be a beast and like, you know, cow catch somebody, Uchimata suplex and smash. But goddamn, if I hit like a little duck under on a light girl who's faster than me, you know, because I fooled her, I feel so much better. Yeah. I, I really... I really grew to appreciate like trickery and fun, you know? And that also ties into more like towards technique and leverage of and all course. that versus, of of you know, course. blowing it out. But I was impressed too. Like the one day of Previlo, we did sauna and then like cold water and sauna. And you think impressed me when you said there when we were in the sauna and you're like, this is blood training. Can you go into that concept? Because you said the best healing property in your body is, is blood. Your blood. Yeah. And when you alternate hot and cold exposure to whatever limit is, it brings blood and promotes healing. Yeah, that is, I mean, I felt it. I mean, just one thing to, to see it in a movie or something like that. But when you feel that, you definitely feel so much better. And like you said, the longevity also sinks in as well. And the feel of like after good recovery, ice hot, whatever, I feel elated, like I'm floating on clouds. It's yeah. a good feel. Very like mental clarity. And anytime I talk to you, I always have to bring this one up. And that is you're in the John Wick movie, of course, uh, for those who don't know. Uh, didn't work out too good for your character. It's amazing you're in it, but it's absolute crime. You didn't get to do any sort of martial art, anything like that. But that sounds like it was a pretty amazing experience overall. Yeah, yeah. Their stunt crew was outrageous. Like uh, my mind was completely blown. Of course, I could have advised something too. But because it's union, you know, like everything is super regimented. And my expertise was not needed or welcomed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in the future, you never know. And also, of course, in Salt, we get Platinum Blonde oh. Vlad here. Yes. <laughs> I really do like when you talk about in Salt specifically, you had to drev up emotion a certain different way and, and yes. yeah. how you had to go into that. Yeah. What was that like for you? So this pretty girl, my on-screen wife, she's actually a model and an actress, unlike me, who's neither. <laughs> <laughs> And when I went to audition, everything was easy until they asked me to like be sad because my daughter dies. 
And that is when I realized I'm not an actor because it's super abstract. It was very easy to bust into stance and shadow wrestling and smile, be happy, do your trade. But once they asked me to be sad, that is when I realized Vlad is not an actor. So, <laughs> yeah. So whenever we had that scene, baby dies or whatever, I was like mortified. In a wrestling scene, which is my bread and butter, it took forever to film because of many moving parts. There was a lot of people involved or whatever. And it took like good half a day, 35, 34 takes. Oh, wow. Like, yeah, some insane shit like that. But the scene that I was not confident at all, you know, the crying scene, I took four takes because my girl was able, yeah. So she told me that whenever people said actors need to portray sadness, they often go into what if mode. What if my cat dies? What if my mom dies? And, you know, and it's not without merit or whatever, but it's not the best system, not the best method. And then she went and proceeded and told me the method, which was mind-blowing, and I will not share it with people. Okay. <laughs> But Trade it was secret, like, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so crazy. And like, yeah, yeah. And I started like to exercise that method. And I'm like, this is awesome. So when time came to film the crying scene, she stole the spot like, like, like that, cried like a wench or whatever. It was great, yeah. So she saved the scene. Thank you, Olga. <laughs> and which is crazy because they're, they're actually emitting that emotion, whatever they're putting. It's not I, just like a put on a face. Like they're, they're actually emitting that much. That's yeah. insane. That's absolutely yeah. insane. And her method, it did exactly that. It was not like superficial, let's like get sad because of, you know, this proposition. It was like a methodical way getting into your own psyche. And it was kind of impressive, but like, and, and it works, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I can only use that in everyday life. <laughs> Real quick, I want to switch gears here because you are a world champion, combat world wrestling championship going to Japan. Man, just first off, going away, going to Japan and adjusting to time difference and, there's all this other craft that could be up in the air. What was your experience like preparing and going into that competition? Dude, there was a couple of things, man. I, I busted my rip like uh, a month before the competition. Oh. Yeah. I don't yeah. think I knew that. Yeah. And only like two weeks before the actual tournament, I, I started to roll back again. But like I did not want to miss that, man. I was going to Japan. Whether I was competing or not, I was going to Japan. You yeah. know? But <laughs> it would be a nice little bonus. So what I did... I went to Paladino's gym, Evolution Grappling Academy, and I rotate uh, a rower facing facing uh, the mat, right? And I'll be rowing for hour, hour and a half, you know, with alternating intensity. And I'd be watching Michael teach class and, like, memorizing, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I could not roll, my cardio was goddamn outrageous, you know? At one point, I also kind of got in my head, like, I was a little bit altered. And, uh, and I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Like, I have so much to lose. Like, I have a good reputation. If I go, it's such a huge proposition to go to Japan and so many moving parts. And if I lose, oh, my God, it's going to be so fucking embarrassing. And I got in my own goddamn head, man. And, like, I had to conquer the little beast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And eventually, I got out of my head. So what happened, man, like, I was cutting weight to be in the 82 kilograms division, you know. And not whole much weight. Like, I'm, I'm almost always there. And by the time I arrived in Japan, there was nobody in my weight category, you know, in 82 kilograms. The next one is 90 kilograms, and there was nobody there either. Well, I didn't know that. Whoa. Yeah, I know. And the next one was 100 kgs, which is, dude, it's a huge goddamn weight difference, you know? And I was going to go compete there, and I would have had, maybe in retrospect, I should have, I would have had like four opponents. I would have had American, Japanese, Romanian, and Hungarian, right? But the American boy, who's kind of like a friend or whatever, I've seen him in Samba circuits, he's not a true heavyweight either. He's way heavier than me, but he skipped dinner. And met me in a 90 kilograms. So we had one match. And he was legit, good guy. He actually played Nikolai. He competed with Nikolai. Oh. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Steven Yoke is his name. And I wanted to execute fast. I wanted like Blitzkrieg or whatever. And I had a couple of blueprints, you know, like flying arm bars, rolling leg locks. And it was funny. I thought, I thought uh, I would be much slicker on the mat as opposed to stand up wrestling with him. That's what I thought. But it proved to be completely different. So weird. So you see, guys, preconceived notions, not always good. I actually out wrestled the guy and uh, had a little bit more difficulty dealing with him on the mat. Really? Backwards? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I had the full match. It was it was fun match. It was my match. It was misjudged. My one of my moves was not scored correctly. I was given one point as opposed to four points, which kind of messed me up in my head. Because like if I was leading three points more, I would have played more loose and relaxed and tried to score more. But because I knew my upper hand was only that many points, I kind of locked up, you know, and played conservatively. So anyway, my blitzkrieg didn't work, which kind of was a blessing in disguise. Because that motherfucker took me to, like, deep water, you know? <laughs> he took me deep, deep water, and in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, I have to meet him again. It's going to be best out of three, which luckily did not happen. Only one match. I would have beat his ass anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I was tired. Like, he, he took me to the deep water, and I was, like, sucking wind, man. I was a little bit tired. So I was happy. Although I did not get to wrestle three or four matches, it was only one. But it was a fucking hard match, you know? Because it's kind of funny. I'll be honest with you, Tom. Like, like I prepared. I uh, overcame obstacles. I paid. I flew. I competed. But it was still only one match. So, like, in my head, I'm like, fuck, man. If I had a couple more matches, I'd still yeah. feel like a world champion. But all the other ingredients were still there. I had to overcome obstacles, True. put there, and all that stuff. So it was fun. It was uh, a trip to Japan was outrageous. Japanese people are super welcome and hospitable. I'm a huge fan. I'm a Japanophile. I love everything Japanese, you know, and food. And went to Kodokan. Everything was goddamn outrageous. Oh, cool. I also got in my head day before tournament, man. So that's the second time I got in my head. And I was not altered. I was completely yeah. sober. <laughs> and I was rolling with Michael Palladino, warming up, bro. We were warming up. And like fairly recently, prior to that, I taught him maybe a year ago, you know, I taught him crucifix position and he took a huge liking and he became a big crucifixer. So as we're warming up, dude, we're just playing. We're not even floor rolling. And Michael catches me like in a crucifix, like every 30 seconds or so. <laughs> what am I doing here? Oh, my God. Like what the fuck? <laughs> this boy here, like, like smokes my ass with the, like, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> oh, no exercise those goddamn demons out one more time to, you know because dude it's easy to get in your head well that's a great point because a lot of people do get that like you get the guy that's wow this guy's a badass in the gym but for whatever reason when he competes he just he chokes or yeah. anxiety or whatever yeah. and yeah. for you is it just like switch gears back into training or is it just it's a bit of a switch and a bit of like five minutes of positive talk mm. usually if i focus on that it will it will take effect it will it will grab me in a positive way yeah but dude, it's always an effort. You know, it's funny. It's, it's like rent. Like yeah. it's not like ownership. You don't own that shit. You you never own it. Oh, you interesting viewpoint. They brought like the flow state is not given. The healthy psyche and competition mindset is also not given. It's kind of like a habit. It's uh, it's easier or whatnot for me because it's uh, maintenance. It's not rescue. It's maintenance. But it's still every day. Like every time you have to get in the flow zone, you have to fucking earn it. Every time you want to exercise demons and get out of your own, you have to earn it. So, come, oh, come I love that. Effort. Yeah, comes with a little effort, look friend. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing because that's something that everybody could work with. And, you know, a lot of people do get confronted with that. Also, speaking of wrestling, this is on BJZ Fanatics as well. It's one of my favorite segments you do. And you did a bunch when you came in town recently. And it's Wrestle Jitsu. Let's talk Wrestle Jitsu. It's a blast, man. What got you started with that? And, and tell people what that is. Evolution. Get back to evolution. You know, like Jiu Jitsu is whatever you want to be. 
right? Some people say often, oh, this is not jujitsu. No, it's incorrect. For as long as it's done by the rules and in the framework, it's always jujitsu. Uh, example, oh, you, you're moving like to ninja. You're not controlling position. You, you, you're moving way too much, switching and shifting. This is not good jujitsu. Or opposite point. No, 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 no. You stay in side control. You take somebody down, pass guard, and you stay there for the rest of the match. This is not jujitsu. You know what, guys? It's both jujitsu. It's whatever makes sense to you. You know what I'm saying? So uh, one certain blueprint used to make sense to me. And uh, whenever I think of wrestling, I'm like, eh, like the cradles. Let's say cradles, right? Yeah. I started at the cradles uh, a couple decades ago. And back then, I put on them because they just spin, they just control, and this is not jujitsu. And right now, to me, jujitsu is spin and control, you know? And not only my priorities shifted or philosophies or whatever, there's actually a technical standpoint in whole wrestling that could be very useful. Whenever we talk about wrestling for jujitsu, the lowest home fruit is always takedowns. It's always takedowns, which is not wrong. Then we talk about grind mentality, you know. But also, there are so many ground techniques in parterre, right? And that was in a folk style, particularly, not even freestyle, more so folk style wrestling. That's so transferable to jujitsu. It's sickening. It's crazy, all right? You can use folk style stuff to mount people, to pass guard, to sweep, to control, to back take, everything, everything, all right? So particularly cradles, but also like sit-outs, switches, hand controls, fun headlocks, things of that nature, right? And I cue a lot of Mr. Wade Chalice. Uh, yes. like I have zero to gain financially, plugging his name. But he, my, oh my God, his folk style play, his spinning is masterpiece. Super transferable to Jiu-Jitsu. So all control and all pain, okay? Yeah. So it started kind of with cradles with me, you know? And little by little, I dove into the whole, because uh, I trained scholastic wrestling, you know? Back in 2002, I, I remember I lost a match in uh, Naga, and I lost on a takedown in Nogi. I'm like, I gotta learn wrestling. That's how it all started. So I do have formal training. It's not like I learn from DVDs or YouTube only. You know what I'm saying? Of course, that comes to play. And then I just like, kind of dwelled in a system, dove in a system, and the whole system came up. And it's still getting evolved now. More jitsu comes into my wrestling, so it's one of the topics I love to teach. That product you can find everywhere on Budo videos, BJJ fanatics and grappler's guide okay. and i also sell it myself as well and note guys whatever those guys have is like an old not outdated but like you know first edit but i update my file like every couple months so if you purchase this program now from me you'll get additional maybe 10 techniques that nobody else has and i love that too especially it'd be great to talk about this is your online academy or online training app through your website as well because you always have updated things on there as well do you talk to a little bit about how you work that, like how you keep it up to date? Yeah, 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 of course, of course. So uh, when I started my online product, it was only curriculum, right? So people start grappling, not necessarily jujitsu, so I just get grappling, right? And they don't know where to go. There's so much good or bad or conflict in information. So I presented people curriculum with six skills, all right? And it goes from white belt to brown belt. Of course, it's suggested. Sometimes you can bite a little bit less from curriculum or vice versa, add some more depending on your natural predisposition and learning ability. But I cover takedowns, passes, guard passing, guard sweeping, triangles, arm locks, leg locks, six, okay? So each belt has more complex variation of those six skills. But over and above suggested curriculum, I have technique of the week. So every week that gets updated, you know, there's more, you know, one more technique and it could be anything. Sometimes it's drilling, Sometimes it's gi, sometimes it's nagi, sometimes it's even striking or whatever. So right now I have like yeah. a tremendous, tremendous library. So curriculum, technique of the week, plus courses. Like I take a throw, like if I'm scary, and I beat it to death. 
I uh, talk about every possible footwork variation, any kind of entry, any kind of grip variation, plus combos, plus defense, plus like mat work with fireman's carry, right? And I have about 15 courses like that. So guys that pay 20 bucks a month, get their hands on all that curriculum, technique of the week, and courses. I also have Instagram subscription, which is like Marlboro Life. It's oh, a lot yeah. that other course, but it's like $4.99. So it's just updated techniques pretty much daily. There's no courses there. But it's a good service, man. It's legit techniques. You know, like I answer questions, I analyze matches, and of course I teach. So those are two of my subscription tiers. And it's just, again, guys, he's just a wealth of knowledge. Outside of being just a great guy and everything, an absolute wealth of knowledge. And you've helped so much in my jujitsu game, whether it's gi, no gi, stand up. You're an invaluable source to have around. That's why you're high in demand, traveling all over the world. And in closing on this, as far as like future goals and things you're working on, is there anything you like to mention you're working on or where you're taking path? Nothing in particular by definition, by default, by design, so to speak. But lately I've been working on two things. Passing guard, like that little Rubik's cube is interesting to me right now. Yeah. And wrestle jitsu. It's pretty much like never ending fountain of chin straps, underhooks, cow catchers, cradles, butterfly guard, and inverted arm lock. Like that like, it's like never ending loop in all sorts of variations. And you've seen like a good bite of it during your seminar. So that's what I do. Passing and like <laughs> infinite wrestle jitsu. You know? I get in my own head or whatever. I come up with a couple of techniques. Sometimes they're inspired by somebody. Sometimes I saw. And other times I'm like, hold on a second, man. Like I went through this like little sequence and sparring. Uh, what if I do that? So I make notations. I write shit down. I, I voice it over. And I'm like, and because I own a gym, lucky me, I always have plenty of focus. I'm like, Nikki, come here, boy. Let me, let me like, let, fucking this thing makes sense. Let me try. And we try and goddamn, it works. And other times, like it does not work. Then we discard it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That kind of little lab work is done pretty much fucking daily. Like it's you know like 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 like, like juice juices full daily, and uh, out of like ten techniques, we probably retain seven and implement them. You know, even when you're hanging out here at my place and we're watching an EBI, and it's like these guys were stuck in like a weird position. Like press pause, let's yes. figure this out. Did you like that? It was amazing. It's like the best way to watch it. But but that's how my mind works, bro. Yeah with you at least we can get on a carpet when i watch it with my wife man it's, it's not <laughs> fun. she just rolls her eyes at me <laughs> well now you gotta uh, see a new cat to help watch with oh yeah misha misha the white cat yeah yeah <laughs> we do you know like you know like i don't do construction anymore i kind of miss it you know because i like to work with my hands you go to work there's nothing go home from work and shit is there like i do it with my hands it feels it feels good so sometimes i miss that but goddamn and i don't miss like roofing in a hot sun yeah <laughs> So I wake up, I train in the morning, usually get like, you know, like good training, man, good training. And at night, I usually teach. Rarely, once in a blue moon, I'll roll both morning and night. Oh, yeah. I try to stagger. And I used to do, so I used to lift in the morning and roll at night. And now I just roll. <laughs> it just, and I know I'll go back to lifting. But right now, it makes more sense, you know, because I'm feeling like in this relaxed modality, I roll more, you know, like it's yeah. uh, my cardio is directly uh, dependent on my playful attitude, you know, because I play so light, like I go longer, you know what I'm saying? I don't flex, I don't have this combative, like fucking adrenaline dump and like, uh, you know, so. Or even when you're sparring with somebody, it's like, okay, I'm gonna submit this guy 20 times in the span of a couple minutes. Let's say it's a five or six minute round. The first two minutes, I'm just gonna 
put a clinic on them. It's like, I'm that's great for conditioning, but like, and you want to train for like quick kill, but yeah, I got another three minutes to go here. <laughs> yeah. Man. Four rounds after that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Vlad, thank you so much again for taking time to be on the show, man. Always an absolute pleasure talking with you. Tom, you know, bro, anything for you. Thank you for the invitation. Thanks for listening, everyone. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Warrior's Edge podcast. For more great talks and interviews on all things martial arts, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're ever in our area, you're welcome to come in and train with us at our academy, Olympus Grappling Arts. Until the next one, keep listening and keep training.